to a fan, a can, and no real plan. I'm your host, The Fan. I'm a huge college sports fan. If you're new to the show, I'll be your host for the segment of this uh, program. The reason it's called a fan, a can, and no real plan, just in case you're a first-time listener, like I said, I'm The Fan. I'm going to talk about college sports. The can component is we're going to enjoy a beer while we talk about sports. And the no real plan part comes from the fact that uh, typically I pick a topic or two and just roll with it. There's no script. There's nothing like that. It's kind of whatever, uh, wherever my thoughts take me as I talk to myself here. So uh, first thing I want to address this evening is that the overwhelming feedback I got from uh, all probably seven people that actually listen to this program. Hi, Mom. Um, was that people were really disappointed that there was not the beer can crack in the last episode since I had a bottle. Uh, so, okay, we'll, we're going can only from this point forward. I mean, the can was kind of, uh, you know, figurative before, um, but I, that was the majority of thing majority of what I heard from people is, oh man, I didn't really like the last episode because uh, there wasn't the beer can crack. So, okay, that's fine. We'll stick to cans from now on. We'll 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 make it a very literal approach when it comes to that aspect of the show. So that's fine. Um, so my topic that I want to discuss tonight, I was actually having trouble coming up with something. I didn't want to bounce back into college football too quickly. I was not able to conduct a lot of research on some of the other topics I wanted to do because I have a finance test tomorrow night. Like I've said, I am a student and I'm definitely going to fail that test. Uh, so I've been trying to study for that. And But thankfully, uh, out of my home state, some really kind of breaking news came out today with regards to college sports and so we're going to talk about that. Uh, it's California's new Fair Pay to Play Act, which was signed in by the governor today. So that's going to be our topic uh, we're going to talk about on this episode. But before we get to that, let's get the can component implemented. So I went down to my local beer store and I found this beer from New Glory Craft Brewing Company, which the reason I picked this one is because I saw that... It is brewed and canned in Sacramento, California, which, if you are not aware, is the state capital of California, which is where the new Fair Pay to Play Act was signed in today uh, by the governor. So I thought that was appropriate to pick a beer from a brewing company in Sacramento. Uh, so this is called NGB Pills. I don't know what that stands for. It could be some sort of dirty joke or something, and I just totally don't get it. So let's talk a little bit about the can. I've actually had some beers from this company before, um, which is part of the reason why when I saw this, I wanted to try it. Um, so it's like an all-silver can, and then they actually tape a label onto it. And this one's got some, like, like a triangle colorful pattern with lots of light greens, blues, reds, yellows teals, things like that. It's, it's, it's pretty neat looking. Um, I'll read you what it says here. So it says, this is a craft Pilsner brewed with floor malted Bohemian Pilsner malt and fermented with our German lager yeast. Packaged in its purest form, unfined and unfiltered for optim ex optimum experience, store cold and drink fresh. Uh, so this is 5% alcohol volume. 
Uh, they've got a website on here if you want to check them out, newglorybeer.com. Free little plug there. Okay, so now the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's crack this bad boy open and give it a try. And, ooh, oh, oh hang on. Ooh, it didn't really explode, but it it got a little bit excited there, so I, sorry. <laughs> that would have been bad if I ended up with this uh, all over my lap right before I tried to record this, because it's going to make it pretty uncomfortable. Okay, so now that I've just sucked the foam off the top of it in an emergency, let's uh, give it an actual try here. Uh, it definitely tastes like a Pilsner. It's pretty... Uh, like flat in flavor, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not too sure how to describe it. It's not. Uh, you don't get that really sharp flavor that you get with like a lot of IPAs. Um, it's not like overly carbonated either, which is nice. It's it's not quite as. You know how like porters and stouts aren't aren't quite as carbonated as most other beers. This is like just above one of those. It seems like. Um, I like the taste. It's like slightly bland, I would I would say. It just kind of tastes like like a, what you'd expect from a regular beer. I don't really taste anything like super unique about it or anything, but it's good. I mean, actually, I kind of like that it's I kind of like that it's rather simple. Um, definitely feels like one that, you know, if you wanted to knock back a pint or two of this, uh, you know, in the evening it wouldn't it's not going to tear up your esophagus and, you know, you're not going to feel terrible the next day. All right, one more sip there before we get started. Okay, so let's talk about this Fair Pay to Play Act. So I want to give a little bit of background on kind of the whole paying college athletes thing. It's been an argument that's been going on for quite some time now. Uh, I'll share some of my opinions on that. We'll talk a little bit about what I think that this law is going to mean in the future, and we'll talk about some of the implications of it as well. So if you're not familiar, the NCAA uh, is very strict on basically its rule of amateurism. So all college athletes are considered amateurs. There are very few exceptions uh, where they can get paid. There are some exceptions with regards to, um, I believe it's golf and tennis players, because it's not that uncommon for college tennis and golf players to play in tournaments that do have prize payouts. So that's one of the exceptions I'm aware of. Um, there's also some exceptions for prize money from the Olympics uh, for college athletes that go and compete in the Olympics. So there are a few exceptions, but generally speaking, the NCAA does not allow pay players to get paid, uh, whether it's from the university, whether it's from an outside entity. They cannot accept any sort of financial assistance, I would say, uh, from any source other than I don't think they regulate, like, if your family is helping you pay for college. I mean, I've never heard of that being disallowed, so I'd be shocked if that was the case. But you can't receive money from, like, a company. You can't receive money from the university. Uh, you can't receive money from... Uh, you know, you can't accept donations from people outside of your family, I would assume. Uh, so there, there are a lot of stipulations to it. There's a lot of NCAA regulations. And that's been uh, looked down upon recently by, by a fair number of people who say that 
you know, these players are creating, or these athletes are creating a lot of positive financial gains or, or even just positive financial implications for their institutions, yet they're not getting paid. And the counter argument to that is, well, these kids get to go to school for free and they have all these perks and so they need to stop complaining. You know, no one's forcing them to play, right? This is by choice. So if they don't, if they want to quit and go get a job, they can. So I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent one way or the other. I definitely agree that being a college athlete in some shape or form and some sports more than others uh, let's be fair here that, you know, I think that football, basketball across the board, uh, you know, are the biggest money makers for a university. They get the most attention, uh, you know, more so compared than other sports. You do have isolated areas of the country or you do have, you know, isolated communities where like wrestling can be insanely popular and that's all anybody cares about or baseball or, or what have you. But I would say in the grand scheme of things, football and men's basketball probably generate the most amount of revenue for schools that have those programs. So, you know, aside from that, this really will impacts all athletes in California. And that's the thing about this Fair Pay to Play Act is that it is a California law. It's not a federal law. So we'll get into the law. I'll I'll talk about it in just a moment. Let me, I want to finish with this before I sidetrack myself, but so the argument of these institutions profit and the NCAA profits off of these student athletes who, you know, essentially get nothing, so therefore they have to be paid. I'm not 100% in agreement with that statement. So and and I realize that this is not all student athletes, but I'm going to speak in general terms here, so please don't think I'm so daft as to think that every single student athlete is the same because they're not. But most, well, I don't want to say most, a good number of student athletes receive scholarships. And depending on the university you go to, that could essentially equate to anywhere from, especially when you consider that the NCAA allows the scholarships to cover things like not just the tuition, but um, housing, books, uh, meal plans, things like that. So, you know, I, w- I would say at a, at a bare minimum, you're probably looking at, I don't have any exact numbers, so I'm kind of guessing here. I would assume that you're probably looking at, you know, they're maybe making fifteen to $20,000 a year on the low end, if you consider that as compensation, right? If they're on a scholarship and all those things are paid for by the university. Uh, all the way up to you know if you're at a if you're at a private school or something that's got an insanely high tuition and you're in an area with a very high cost of living, uh, you know it, it could be I, I don't know a hundred thousand dollars a year maybe I, I really don't know how high it could go but you can imagine you know if you're going if you're playing uh, you know a sport at somewhere like Harvard for example I mean and you've got a full ride scholarship I don't know what their tuition is but you're looking at a substantial amount of, uh, you know, indirect compensation if you're getting your school is paid for, your books, your your housing, your food, all that stuff. So I don't like the argument that, oh, these 
kids play for free and they're getting abused by the institution and by the NCAA. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't believe that. I think that there are a lot of benefits. There are also other benefits that don't have a monetary value. If you're at a school uh, where you're in a major that's severely impacted and it's difficult to get classes, a lot of times they have priority registration for the uh, the student athletes so they can, you know, basically be guaranteed to get all their classes, the semesters that they need them. And I mean, I've had to go through that in an impacted program and it's very stressful to not know if you're going to be able to get into classes you need and you have to crash classes, right. And try to try to add later. And it's a very stressful process. So to have that eliminated is, is I think is a pretty nice benefit. Uh, I know there's no monetary value to that, but it's something to think about. The other thing is too, you know, a lot of times they have, their own uh, tutors for the student athletes that help them out, especially because they travel so much to help them get caught up on stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of privileges that come with being a student athlete. I'm not saying that that's not offset by the incredible amount of hard work you have to do to represent your university. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. These, these guys are basically working, you know, almost the equivalent of two full-time jobs all year while going to school. They're just an athlete. So, uh, you know, I don't like the argument that they don't make money because they do in an indirect way when you really break it down. However, I also think that considering the value they add to a university, especially for D1 level schools, uh, are they like severely underpaid with that compensation package of scholarship? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, you know, especially at big time universities, uh, you know, you look at like Notre Dame for football or Alabama or Clemson for football right now. You look at a school like Duke or North Carolina or uh, Kentucky or Virginia or something like that for basketball, right? Or you look at some of the, the big time baseball schools. A lot of the schools in the Big 12 that have big-time baseball programs. You've got some schools out here in California, like uh, I know Long Beach, their their baseball program is quite good. Cal State Fullerton, schools like that. It, it, you're, the amount of uh, you know actual financial value they help the university gain by playing and also indirectly, you know, the brand building and, and the valuation of the brand of the university. Yeah, it, it's – they're – Across the board, they're probably severely underpaid unless you're at one of these private schools where you're getting a massive chunk of change in stipends to pay for, uh, you know, your tuition and your housing and all that stuff. So I'm kind of in the middle. I, I don't really I like the idea of amateurism in college sports. It's one of the reasons that I'm very attracted to it. I like the fact that, you know, this is not all about money, um, but at the same time, you know, I think that with the amount of work and dedication that's demanded from these student athletes, you know, they got to make sure they can make ends meet. And if you got student athletes that are not able to, you know, afford to buy a granola bar from the bookstore between classes or something, because they're just barely stringing along. Well, that's not right. I don't think they should be put in that type of situation either. So I, I'm a little bit torn on this subject, to be honest. I don't really want to see this turn into, you know, a scenario where it's, you know, the, the best, the biggest schools with the most money are buying recruits, right? I don't want to see they're buying transfers. I don't want to see that because I like the fact that in college sports, anything can happen anytime because you have so much uh, disparity amongst, you know, the, not just the, the between the teams and the schools, but also just the individual players on the teams, right? You don't have like a, a stacked superstar team. You're always going to have some little weaknesses here and there. 
And so that's what makes college sports so unpredictable and so fun, in my opinion. So I don't really know what, you know, the, the proper solution is, but it looks like California is trying to come up with something. So this Fair Pay to Play Act basically prevents schools from kicking athletes off of teams if they receive payment of some kind. However, it does not require... Uh, it does not require the school to pay the student athletes. I think that should be made very clear. This this new law does not say, okay, all uh, California universities that have student athletes, you must now pay them. No, that's not what this says. This says that they cannot kick them off the team if they get paid in some fashion uh, from their images, their names, their likeness, what have you. So. Uh, if you were a fan of, they used to have an NCAA football game that was much like the Madden uh, video game for professional football, but it was colleges. And so the the way the license worked on that game, from what I remember, was they had the school's logos, they had their fight songs, they had, you know, their fields looked the same, the stadiums and everything in the game. Uh, the names were all correct. They had the mascots and all that stuff. But the players, I specifically remember, didn't have their names in the game. Uh, and then they just had numbers in their jerseys. And, you know, the the fake announcer voice in the game would always say, you know, oh, a great run by number 23 or whatever. And they would never say the name. And so that's how they kind of got around that NCAA amateurism and not having to license the players' names all individually and pay them, right? So... This would make it so that theoretically, if the NCAA football video game, which is now defunct, came back, they could put the players' names in, at least the California teams, because they could now pay to use their likeness in the game. That's one example. So, I, you know, I think this is not necessarily a bad thing. I, the, my initial reaction when I first read this was, oh, great, so now all these, these guys are going to pick the school based on endorsement deals, right? But then I thought about it and I was thinking, you know what, that that might be the case for some really, really top level recruits. It may influence their decisions a little bit about where to go out of high school if they go, well, I'm going to be a superstar no matter where I go. So I want to go to this school because I know I'll be able to get a good endorsement deal there because, you know, I'm going to use, uh, since this is California specific right now, I'm going to use USC as an example. I'm going to go to USC because it's in Los Angeles. It gets a ton of attention. There's a huge market down there. All those people, I'm sure a lot of companies will want to pick me up uh, and use my use me in their advertising and things in the LA area, and I'm going to make a ton of money. Well, yeah, but if you're an athlete that, you know, you're a recruit coming out of, of high school and you're not sure if you're going to be a superstar it may influence you to actually go somewhere where you have a chance of being like one of the best players on the team, right? To get those endorsement deals. So I don't know. This may end up balancing out the field a little bit more, uh, but it might not. I really don't know. I'm I'm not too sure. I, I can make all the predictions I want, but until it really shakes out and actually happens... Uh, I, I can't really say what's going to happen. And the law doesn't take effect until January 1st of 2023. So it's got four years to get revised, struck down. I mean, who knows? I don't know how the legal process works. I'd have to ask my sister about that. She knows all about that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I don't I don't think that it's going to stay exactly how it's written right now. So we're just going to have to see how things shake out. Uh, another thing is it, it, it all... 
the law also says that the student athletes cannot do like endorsement deals that conflict with the school's contracts that they already have in, in place, existing contracts. So for example, I know a lot of universities are like either supplied by Coca-Cola or they're supplied by Pepsi. So if you go to a, you know, a Coca-Cola school, you're not going to be able to get an endorsement from Pepsi. Uh, if you go to a school where your school has a deal with uh, Nike, for example, for like uniforms and gear and all that stuff, because that's a thing now, you can't get an endorsement from uh, like Under Armour or from Adidas or one of their competitors, right? So there are some stipulations to this. There are There is a lot of, uh, you know, the, the tiny text at the bottom kind of thing. So now here's where I think that this could become an issue. If the NCAA is not willing to budge on their policies, they could effectively kick out all the schools in California from the NCAA. Uh, I I think they would have every ability to do that, if that makes sense. Uh, So that's because, as far as I know, the membership in the NCAA for an institution is voluntary. So there's no, like, legal ramification that they have to stay in just because California changed their laws. So let's say hypothetically this law goes into effect, the NCAA is unwilling to budge on this issue, and all of a sudden you've got all the schools in California can no longer participate in the NCAA because they're violating the NCAA's rules. So, I mean, what's what's going to happen in that situation? Because you've got a lot of big name programs up and down this state. Like I said, I'm, I've, I've said before, I'm from California, so I, I know a lot of the schools here in the state, not just the ones that are popular for football. But, I mean, you're talking the ones that I can think of off the top of my head going from the top of the state to the bottom that have D1 sports, uh, big time D1 sports of some kind, are you're looking at losing uh, Sacramento State, Davis from the FCS, you're looking at losing the USF Dons are pretty good in basketball every year. You're looking at losing San Francisco State has a pretty decent basketball program. You're looking at losing uh, University of the Pacific, which has a, a pretty solid baseball program, I know. You're looking at losing, uh, let's see, going down the state, you're looking at losing, you're looking at losing private schools, right? So you're looking at uh, Stanford, uh, St. Mary's, which is a basketball powerhouse. You're looking at losing all the UCs that have programs. So UCLA, UC Berkeley, which is Cal, if you don't know that. Uh, UC Irvine has a good basketball and baseball program. You're looking at losing teams like San Diego State, uh, Fresno State. Um, you're looking at, you know, USC is going to be out. That's a private school, another private school that will be out. Uh, I mean, I could probably, if I really sat here and went through and looked at a map, I mean, you're going to lose like 30 D1 programs potentially. Maybe not all in football and basketball, but whether it's D1 in baseball, like I mentioned Fullerton before, they're going to be out of the baseball thing, and they've done really well. They've gone to the tournament in the past a lot of time for baseball. So, I mean, this could this could pose a real, real major problem these schools in California. So what are they going to do? Are they going to make their own California league and all just play each other? I got to say deep down, I actually think that'd be kind of cool in a way. I mean, I, I don't, ultimately I think it's a terrible idea, but it sounds kind of cool to me. If you just had like the California league and you had, 
you know, like 25 schools in it, and they all just agreed, all right, we're all just going to play at the same level. We're all going to be D1 or whatever, and we're just going to play each other. I mean, are you are you kidding me? Like, the students, the fans, people could go to every away game. Like, that'd be fun, I think, in a way. I would travel up and down the state to watch my school play if I was a student, you know. I, I think that'd be a blast. But losing that NCAA affili- affiliation puts a really, really severe impact on – getting your university's name out there across the country, which is kind of the whole purpose of college athletics uh, from the university standpoint, right? Like from the student standpoint, it's a great way to develop your skills. It's a great way to promote yourself if you want to try to play at the next level. Uh, you know, it's it's good team building, but ultimately for the university, it comes down to university branding, right? Like you want to get your university's name out there. You want people to know about your school. And that's the whole purpose of having a D1 sports program uh, at the bare bones level when we're talking about the, what the institution wants out of it, right? So not being able to go and play in other states and things like that, that could, that could pose a serious threat to, you know, the marketing of your university to not have your name out. Then you got to worry about television contracts. You know, is it only going to be shown on local TV in California? Is it going to be broadcast across the country? Are people outside of California even going to care if it's on TV and they don't live in California? It creates a lot of problems. I think it creates way more problems than it would create fun of just having, you know, kind of like the California Collegiate Athletic Association. So I should trademark that, the CCAA. I'm calling it now. Um, anyway, so I don't, I don't know. I think I think that this is going to force the NCAA to really look at their policies on allowing student-athletes to receive these outside endorsements. Uh, maybe they will ease into it. Maybe they'll say, okay, you can receive outside endorsements, uh, but, but you're capped to X amount of money per year. Um, you know, I, I don't really know. I don't know what's going to happen with this. It's pretty big news in the college sports world. This is a pretty, like, this is a pretty alarming thing to see, uh, you know, this morning when I when I got up this morning and I saw that this was happening, I was, oh man, this is pretty serious for um you know, for for college sports. This is gonna really, you know, potentially change at least the conversation for now. You know, it's not gonna change anything until twenty twenty three at the earliest, it looks like. But this is really gonna change the 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 conversation. So I know there's a the the NCAA has like a committee. Actually, I don't know if it's the NCAA's committee. I'll, I'm, I'll have to check on that. But I know there is a committee uh, that's looking at other ways players could make money, and I think that's supposed to come out in October. So we might revisit this subject in the future um, and, and see what the committee comes up with. I, I'm curious to read that report. So, um, yeah, I don't really... I'm kind of curious uh, what you think. So if you want to drop me an email, uh, fancannoplan at gmail.com since I'm not fancy enough to have my own own domain name at the end there. So that's what I'm using for now. But yeah, I'm kind of curious. Or or those of you that listen to this that that know me, uh, which is probably all my listeners at this point because I'm I do pretty terrible job of marketing myself. uh, Let me know what you think. I'm I'm genuinely curious 
how you think this is going to affect things. Uh, I'd definitely like to get some, some kind of differing opinions from my own about should they be paid, should they not, should the universities pay them, should they not, should they be allowed to have these endorsements, or what other creative ways you might think that, that they can you know, earn money in some way. Uh, we could put together our own report maybe and, and, and make it interesting. So that's kind of all I wanted to talk about uh, for this episode. I'm glad that this topic landed on my desk because I didn't really have anything and I wanted to record another one of these. So this worked out well. Uh, we've got a great week of college football coming up here again. A lot of big games coming uh, later this week. So of course, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be going to a couple of my, a couple of my school's games uh, this this week and this weekend. Uh, so I'll be I'll be going to I think volleyball and soccer. So that'll be fun. Uh, again, like I always say, if you're a student uh, at a university, if you're an alumni, if you're a fan of college sports, get yourself out there, get to a game, go check something out. Y'all root on your team. Uh, those student athletes are really appreciated. So until next time, have a wonderful.